Welcome back, everybody, to the Thrivistry Podcast, Mastering the Art of Thriving at Life, where we talk about creating change in our lives and in the world around us. I'm your host, JJ, and this is my co-host, Gigi. Say hi, Gigi. Hi. And we are wearing our shades because the sun is out, and we're indoors right now, but the sun is out, so I'm being prepared. <laughs> Actually, I just got back from a, from a little, little workout and a little walk outside. It was pretty, pretty awesome, and so we were both wearing our sunglasses, so we figured we'd do the intro with our sunglasses, but I'm going to put them up here now. Um, so, Gigi wanted to wear them the entire time. I don't know. You can wear your. Did I? Are you talking about that? I don't remember having that conversation, but I um, do like my sunglasses. That's true. <laughs> uh, so, t- today we're actually going to talk about um, coaches and mentors and kind of related to the medical system and doctors and how, um, and how there's, there's a big disconnect between, you know, uh, um, how often we see the doctors and, and the results that we need from a, from a health standpoint, a life standpoint. And then we're also going to go over this study that came out this week about um, how cartilage is rebuilt in the joints. And so it was a pretty interesting study that they did. Um, and, and it was really important for, for us as coaches to educate people that, you know, that movement is the key to, to actually building new cartilage and maintaining the cartilage that you have. So when people talk about like, oh, I don't have any cartilage in my knee and my doctor told me this. And it's like, well, yeah, if you don't use that limb, you don't use that joint, you are going to see cartilage deterioration. And so, you know, what are the ways that we can make sure that we don't, we don't have that so we can keep functional use of our body into our, you know, 70s, 80s and 90s, right? Um, so Gigi had a, this is a really good point that, that, G, that she brought up around, again, kind of habits and motivation and, you know, hear me talk about all these things and accountability. And um, there's a big disconnect when it comes to the, the medical system. And, uh, you, know, you know, you can't really call it the health care. It's more like the, the sick care, you know. And, and one of the things that we see time and time again is that these doctors, um, you know, most people don't go to see them until it's broken. Again, it's like, it's like not taking your car in for regular maintenance, like oil changes and your tires and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you have a major problem and then you have your car towed to the mechanic. And, and the reality is, is that doctors are mechanics. They're, they're experts in fixing things that are broken. And, uh, you know, they're not experts at helping maintain, um, you know, something that's, that's going really well, like a healthy person, right? So they're, they're not necessarily, some, some of them are, but in general, they have to focus on fixing all the broken stuff. And so they, they're not necessarily experts in nutrition or fitness or anything like that. And so it's important to understand that difference let alone the, the, the infrequency, even if you went to the doctor every year, um, it's not going to be the same as, as, as talking to a coach or a mentor once a month or, or every couple of weeks um, or having somebody that you could reach out to in a moment's notice and get an, an answer immediately. Um, and I think, I think that was a really good point that Gigi was making. Well, what was the analogy that you said offline? It was the mechanic analogy. You said mechanics are there to fix broken cars, not to drive cars, right? Mm-hmm. So if- you're driving your own body. It's your responsibility to not slam the brakes on and put clean oil in it and, you know, use the right kind of gas and all that kind of stuff. And, and one of my, my very first experience with personal training was when I was a student. Um, and my personal trainer said to me, you know, you wouldn't put shitty oil in your car. So why would you put crappy food in your body? And I was like, like mind blown you know it's like oh my god that is so true you know as she's eating like handfuls of almonds you know <laughs> almonds and cucumbers that was her thing i don't know but <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting combo yeah that quote i think originally was, was i heard it from mark ripito and and it was you know like another another analogy you know i think it was like another car analogy um was was things like uh you know 
there's a difference between being a race car driver and being a, a, a cab driver in downtown New York. You know, those are, they're both driving, but they're very different skills. And, you know, people talk about bulking and stuff and they say like, you know, lifting weights because you're worried you're going to get too bulky is, is like worried about driving too much because all of a sudden you're going to, going to become a race car driver. <laughs> like they're very different, very different skill sets and in extremes. And I think, but I think the analogy for the, for the, uh, the mechanic and the doctor do apply, like I said, because the, the medical system is focused more on this, you know, the, this, uh, uh, when people are broken. Now I know at least, at least in our area, there's been a big push in marketing wise for prevention, right? And so there's a lot more like lifestyle things they're recommending and insurance companies here in the U.S. are trying to figure out ways to help people live healthier lifestyles. One of the fastest growing life insurance companies I think it's called Health IQ or something like that. Not not a sponsored video, not a sponsored podcast. But they um, they're like one of the fastest growing ones, and they they're the ones you've probably seen in the ads if you're a, if you're a fitness buff like we are that say things like um, if you can run a mile in under nine minutes, you can get you can get a discount on your life insurance. If you can bench press your body weight, <clears throat> if you can do you know, if you can do ten pull ups, or it has these and there's basically these tests that you do because what they know is is that people who take care of their fitness, live longer, so it's a better investment for them, right? There, there's a lower instances of all-cause mortality when people are taking care of themselves. And, and could it, you know, is it that, like we, we, we talked about that, that push-up test that the firefighters did in one of the previous podcasts, and, uh, you know, is it that push-ups prevent you from having heart attacks? No, it's just that people who tend to keep up with their fitness and, and can do push-ups tend to be overall more healthy. You know, there's a correlation there, not causational necessarily. And, and the problem with a doctor, sorry, can I say something? Yeah. <laughs> May I? I should put up my hand. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with the doctor is that they won't, they only analyze the range of normal, right? So we know that someone who can do 30 push-ups is healthier than someone who can do two push-ups, right? But for a doctor, all they're looking at is how overweight are you? Right? Like they're not looking at that range of of fitness as well. They're only their only concern is whether or not you pass the minimum to not be declared sick, right? So someone who's a smoker, I used to use this example all the time when I owned a gym. Someone who's a smoker who smokes a pack a day, but doesn't have cardiovascular disease or lung cancer or something like that, they're not going to define as sick. You know that they're going to be sick and that they're like, they can't run. They're not sleeping properly. There's a lot of things that are probably wrong with them in terms of their optimal health but they don't meet the definition for sickness you know yeah and you know you can if you can imagine there's a zero point which is kind of like your bare minimum you're not healthy but you're not you're not ill you know um and usually when they're seeing people that are in the negatives right so they're in the negative numbers they're negative one negative ten and they're just trying to get you back to zero and this is true for a lot of physical therapy too and they're just trying to get you back to zero maybe to a one on the positive side, but they're not really there to take you, you know, uh, um, to take you to a 10 or, or a 20 in the, on the positive side. And, and uh, but like I said, there are specialists, you know, who do that. And that's, I think that's why um, a lot of us in gyms and a lot of us kind of in that CrossFit world tend to gravitate toward the performance side, because at least we know that, that when you're chasing performance, whether it's in a sport or, you know, the sport of fitness or whatever, or even just in your daily workouts, if you're trying to improve your scores, at least we're moving you toward, you know, farther down that, you know, there's, there's this thing that CrossFit talks about the, the spectrum, right? There's, you know, there's um, sickness, wellness, and then fitness. And, you know, the whole idea is if you chase fitness, then you'll, you'll become well and eventually you'll become fit. 
And I, and I do think that, that is, that's a really simplified way of looking at it because you can actually take fitness too far and it can have negative health benefits as well. But in general, you know, moving toward performing better, moving better is always going to move you away from sickness. And then that way, if you do, you know, have some sort of injury or setback, you have a, a you know, you're in a, you're in a better place to start, you know? So like if you have a, you know, a, a double body weight deadlift, you know, when it, you know, if you, you're less likely to throw your back out in your daily life anyway. And then if you do, you're probably going to recover faster because your body had to, had to build these structures and compensate to be able to do that. Right. So you're less likely to be sidelined for months or years um, because you, you were starting at such a high point to begin with. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. I've got two things um, on that. So the first thing is that people are kind of like, well, I don't want to be I don't want to be ripped and I don't want to lift weights because I don't want to get bulky. And, you know, someone might say, I don't want to be 20 or 50 or a hundred on the fitness scale. I just want to not be sick. But the reality is, is that life will always happen, right? So life gets in the way. You're going to like, for me, like you're going to have a baby. You're going to go through stressful times in your life. You're going to go through times where it's not, it's not easy to get to the gym. So you kind of have to take advantage of those times where, everything is in your favor and be as healthy as possible during those times. Because when life happens, you'll be in, you'll be able to kind of not like not degrade into sickness. Right. So, so many people, they sit on that line, right? Like that line between sickness and fitness. As soon as they get back to a one or a two, they just go back to what they were doing. Right. But then what happens is that, you know, maybe they're stuck inside for a few weeks and they get sick because their immune system isn't super strong. They're just not sick right? Do you know what I mean? So then they're immediately back into that sickness kind of world, right? Or if they, you know, somebody passes away and they have to take a month or two off when they're grieving to get, you know, sort through their, their stuff or whatever. And then they fall into the sickness realm. That's when people get injured or, or mental illness creeps in or stuff like that, because they're just not, they're not looking after themselves as well as they could in the opportunities that they have it. Um, and then the other thing that you were saying about the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum that CrossFit uses, um, about how like you could, you can, there's also degradation on the fitness side as well. We used to actually use the sickness, wellness, fitness competitor loop. So mm-hmm. if you can imagine, I'm like, I'm obviously doing a lot of hand motions now, if you're listening on the podcast, but <laughs> the I have another loop graphic I could create. <laughs> oh, you're so good with those. I fucking hate doing that stuff. So the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum is like a, an arch, right? So the sickness is at the apex and then wellness and sickness are on opposite sides, uh, parallel kind of at, at zero. Um, and then the competition side is opposite from wellness, mm-hmm. right? So basically the idea is that as you're going through the process, you kind of hit this, this optimal fitness point, but then you can go past it where you're overtraining or, and that's where elite athletes live. So they kind of live in this place where they're risking themselves. And, and, you know, you hear about like NHL players getting injured and, and runners that tear their hamstrings in the middle of a race between Canada and us to see who is going to be the fastest stuff like that. Right. So, um, but that's where athletes are kind of paid to live. Right. But the everyday humans can, should live on that kind of the space between wellness and fitness. Right? Yes. Like, yes. And it, yeah, it becomes a, a, yeah, not only does it become diminishing returns, so you just keep investing more time and energy to, to 
become more and more fit and more, a little bit more competitive, eventually you start to, to, to break down and, and uh, to be truly competitive. Now, you know, if you're just doing the fun weekend comps locally and you're doing the open every year, like you're probably okay. But again, people who commit to try to make this a career or really spend a few years to see how good they can be, they're trading in, you know, they're, they're, they're walking that fine line and they're trading in some potential, you know, um, you know, pain and injuries down the road, you know, for their bodies. If, if they're really pushing, pushing as hard as they can. Now, can you intelligently train? Um, it depends on the sport that you're training for, but you know, you can intelligently train um, so that you can do it for, for decades and have the minimal amount of risk of injury. But in a lot of these really competitive sports, if all of your, you know, your compatriots are, are pushing the line of how fast they can make progress and how, and how good they can get as fast as they can, um, you won't, you know, it might be 10 years until you're really competitive, right? As, the, as they start to fall off due to injuries and, and that sort of thing, it's, it's, it's really the long game um, to, to try to do that. But you're, you're going to hang out in that fitness competitive realm longer because you're not going to get hurt. And then, but, but again, if you really want to just commit your life to it for a few years, that, that style is, is probably isn't going to pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, we do see a lot of burnout too, you know, people competing, but let's go back to the coach, the coach doctor thing. So then, so then what we, what, what I found works best is, you know, this coach for life model we talk a lot about and Mad Lab and, and just in general, you know, people should have a person that not that they see once a year when, you know, just to make sure, you know, just to, just to go over a few complaints or only, they only see the person when they have a major issue, but they should actually go, you know, have a person that they can, that they can call right away or text when they have a question or someone that's checking in with them once a month to make sure that they're following through on the things that they're supposed to be doing. But even more importantly, I think a lot of us, um, everybody does this, is you know we're being inundated by all this information, and we want to make change and we want to do something. So then you know there's a new new ad or a new you know new keto diet you know or we're going to do this other thing and you're like oh I want to lose weight and people say this is this is what what I should do and so then you start chasing down all these different things to try to get the results that you want, but the the purpose of an expert like a coach is you, know, you only have so much time and energy to give to something new. And if you spend it on the wrong thing, you're just wasting your time, right? And, and or it could be de- detrimental to your real goals. And having somebody, you know, working that OODA loop to sit, to sit down, <laughs> to sit down and, and say, okay, this is, what, this is what you should be spending your time and energy on to get the most benefit from, uh, uh, from your efforts versus, Versus just sort of like, I don't know, I, this, this thing seems cool now that, you know, the, I, my friend told me about this other diet or the, my friend told me that this worked for them. So now I'm going to try it. And it's funny how people will, will do the most weird stuff because their friend or their friend of a friend said pickle juice was where, where it was. And you got to drink pickle juice and you'll lose weight or whatever, you know, and instead of talking to an expert that actually is up to date on all this stuff and knows you. Again, you're oriented, you know, you're, you're observe orient. They know you, they know where you're at. And then to, to decide, they can help you decide what's the, what's going to give you the best return on investment. And I think that's really where coaches can, can uh, benefit you guys. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up the pickle juice thing, but there's, because I've never heard that one, but there's a lot of like, you know, cayenne pepper or lemon juice or, you know, it's the quick fixes. I think that juice, a juice cleanse is like one of the most, yeah, you know, on the weight loss. Mind, right? Yeah. Well, and even like the fat, you know, fasting and paleo and, and vegetarian, vegan, it's, 
you know, there's all these things. And to, to, to back it out even further, the reality is, you guys, is that every person really is a unique uh, human being, right? And so it depends on your lifestyle and your, your, your psychology and your gut health and your genetics and all these things come into play. Now, there are general principles that apply to everybody, you know, like if you're trying to, you know, lose fat, you need to eat less calories than you're burning. But there's a lot of different moving parts within that that can change. And, it, and they can also be, you know, there, yeah, you could just eat less, but that could be really hard for you. But if your coach says, well, actually, here's how you can eat a little bit less and not be hungry. And then here's how you can burn a little more calories and not feel drained or take up a lot of time. And then you're like, your mind gets blown because it's so much easier than you thought when someone tells you exactly what to do for your life, you know? And, and, and so everyone should experiment. Everyone should always be trying. You should always be trying new things. Again, it's best if you work with an expert, but you know, that, you know, when you, when you hear all these people ranting about how great this thing is, you have to always remember that, yeah, you might, you're, you're probably only hearing about the people it worked exceptionally well for You're not necessarily going to hear um, all the people who tried it and failed, right? They may not speak up and say, you know, they, they tried it for a few weeks or they tried it, it didn't work or they had, you might hear some negative things if, if some really bad happened. But, you know, like with the keto thing, I think most people, you know, they, they'll try keto, but they don't really do it very well. You know, they don't really understand what, how to do it correctly, where you're supposed to actually eat vegetables. And there's like, there's a real extreme part of keto where you basically, they say, oh, if you eat too much protein, it'll knock you out of ketosis. And that's like, that's everything I've seen it, that that's not true. Like you still need to eat like hundred grams of protein a day. And, and uh, these people are trying to eat like 20 grams of protein and, and, uh, and then they're, oh, you can eat, eat all you want. And it's like, well, no, you can't. Um, <laughs> um, it still comes down to that calorie equation. Um, uh, but, but you only really hear about all the, the success that people have had, you know, for, and, and that works for, again, for their genetics, their lifestyle, their gut, you know, their gut biome, keto works for them. And so you might think, oh, but you won't really know until you try, right? And, you know, somebody who knows you who's been working with you could say, you know what, I don't think that's going to be the best for you. You seem to run a little bit better with some carbs. Um, but we can do an experiment and try it and see if, see if it works for you. And then you know, okay, it didn't work. And you also have make, need to make sure that you did it right. You know, not, you're not just like you read a blog post and that's what you're basing all your, your experience on. Well, it's that, um, we were talking about this in the podcast, uh, the previous one to this one, right, was when we talked about the OODA loop, right? And that's the observe, observe orient, decide, act. Mm -hmm. uh, which, by the way, I've used like 20 times since we recorded that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. And that's what your coach should really be doing with you, right? Is bringing you through this um, decision-making process and the experimental process and learning about you and your body, especially like as you age and go through things, your body's requirements and needs will change also. So to have, you know, what, what worked for you five years ago won't work for you forever. Um, and to kind of have that person in your corner who can, who can work through that with you as you go through these changes that's educated to do that is, is more than anything. It's fantastic. Anyway, what's our article for this week? So our article was, let me see if I can uh, bring up, bring up the share here. It's an awesome X-ray of uh, a knee, I believe. <laughs> and uh, so the article is um, exercise helps prevent cartilage damage caused by arthritis. And so they were specifically looking at arthritis, um, osteoarthritis, um, because that was kind of what the, uh, the journal it was published in and everything. And, um, you know, it's really funny. I, even somebody who's been living this for so long, it, it cracks me up when they find a new thing about the body that we never knew. You know, like, like I remember, 
was probably five or six years ago now where they found a new ligament in the knee. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know, how many millions of people, you know, cadavers have they gone through and then dissected and, you know, like, like how many, you know, how many hundreds of years have we been looking at our bodies and maybe thousands of years and we didn't even know this body part existed. <laughs> even, even like the, uh, the whole science around the fascia, which is this skin that covers all of our, of our muscles and a lot of our soft tissues um, is really fascinating because for the longest time, the, the first doctors were always just cutting through it to get to the muscles, to get to the internal structures. And they never really thought too hard about what, what is this, this skin, this fascia that covers it. And we know that it, it's really important for movement. And it's like, it's a whole, it's like a critical, well, I mean, all of our body parts are pretty critical, but um, it plays a much larger role than anybody realized. And, and, you know, a lot of that research is what's been driving, you know, kind of the mobility um, surgeons that we've seen and, and a lot of those techniques and styles for tissue manipulation. So they, they basically, you know, I'm sure there was some theories around this, but um, basically the way your, uh, your cartilage works, you can rebuild cartilage and you can prevent cartilage degradation through movement. And there's basically microscopic, I think they said there was like a thousandth of a millimeter um, uh, cilia, which are little, little um, you know, string-like, hair-like structures that are, on the, that are on the cartilage. And through mechanical motion, we, uh, um, it sends a signal, those, those, those uh, uh, cilia get squished and it releases this uh, HDAC6 um, protein, which uh, um, actually prevents um, inflammation, right? So, so you know, that, that inflammation that we see, especially in osteoarthritis is driven, you know, prevents, prevents new growth of cartilage and also, uh, and also causes some degradation. And so it was really interesting that they say like movement, Movement is, is what, that, here it is, one thousandth of a millimeter is how, is how, they, is how big they are. But um, the, uh, uh, so I thought that was really, I thought it was pretty interesting. And again, it's something that we all know that, you know, people who are act active can stay active longer, right? Like if you stop moving, you start to have sore knees and your elbows hurt, and, you know, your joints start to hurt and you need a hip replacement and all these things because you're not using it. If you don't use it, you'll lose it, right? Yes. <laughs> Good line. <laughs> um, uh, I just realized I was ranting there for, for a few minutes. <laughs> you weren't ranting, you were summarizing the article. Summarizing the article. Yeah, 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 that sounds good. Um, <laughs> the, so, so as coaches, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, you know, the, the, um, the important thing that we need to educate everyone about is, is, uh, is that Again, one of the reasons why full range of motion is so important when we're doing these exercises is you think about something like um, squats. And if people aren't working, like if they have poor mobility and, they, and they, their knee hurts when they squat or whatever and you haven't solved that, and so your solution is to just squat to a box forever, right? And you're not doing the full range of motion or you don't, you don't go all the way down. Um, well then, you know, if you're not flexing that knee past you know, 90 degrees, for example, you're, you're, not, you're not actually going to uh, engage all the cilia through the cartilage in the knee, and eventually the cartilage that's supposed to be there will become degraded, and then they will permanently lose that ability to, to operate that, that joint. And so, um, and it, you know, you think, okay, well, maybe not in all, you know, metcons or, or, or you know, workouts do you need to, to worry about that. But again, that's where we get the bulk of our movement. So if you have, you know, if you have a workout that has, you know, <clears throat> 20 wall balls, uh, you know, for five rounds, it's a hundred reps and you're not going all the way down. 
that's a hundred, you know, hundred repetitions where some of your cartilage is getting operated, but not all of it. And then you, you extrapolate that over the weeks, months, and, and, and all of a sudden they, they can't go lower. You know, it's really bad for them to go lower. Um, and, and so I think, you know, we always, one of the things I do when I program, I'm always paying attention to the volume of the move, those movement patterns day to day and week to week to make sure we're not doing too many, too many reps of, of, of any particular movement, but we're getting enough to where we get the stimulus to, to get stronger and grow. And so with, with, uh, especially with our, with our older people, you know, and people will always come in and say, well, I got this bad, this bad, whatever. And it's like, the reality is, is the reason why your shoulder is bad is because it, you injured it, you stopped using it for a while, and then you never restored the range of motion and you never tried to get back beyond zero. You just got back to zero. You're pain-free for the most part, but you don't have the full range of motion. And if you don't have the full range of motion, it's only going to continue to get worse over time. And, and again, you may hit a point of no return at some point, but, but, uh, but making sure that people, you know, if they can't do any sort of like snatching overhead movement, um, you know, it's not like you, you should just say, you know what, we're, you're never going to do snatches ever again. You know, some people, there may be a reason for that. It's case by case basis. But in general, if they don't have any real issues that it's just, they have tight shoulders it's like, no, we need to be constantly trying to get them to get that range of motion so that they can maintain healthy shoulders the rest of their life instead of just cutting out a movement completely. You know, now, am I a fan of programming squat snatches and metcons? Not at all. You know, I really, I really try to limit those. If, if they do show up, they tend to be um, very light or a scale up. Um, and it's always okay to do a power snatch to overhead squat. Um, and that would still count, you know, as a rep, if you will. But, but, uh, but I think there's a lot of times people try to dumb down the programming because they're saying, well, like the, everyone complains about this movement and it's like, well, that's just because maybe you're not coaching it right or you're not taking people through the steps to help them to help them be able to do it safely and effectively. And um, no, we don't want to make it, you know, snatches don't have to be a movement that we do every week, but it's not like we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Yep. I think that that's um, a really good application of the theories that they discuss in this article. <laughs> Apparently, Gigi. I mean, I know we, we talked about this article, and Gigi was like, "Well, it's kind of like a duh. There's really much to, to talk about." <laughs> but it is. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's all the concepts that we always talk about, right? Use it or lose it. You've got to do full range of motion and don't overdo it, right? Like, and that those are that's the mantra, right? Like, you got it. You have to move your body. You have to do these things. Just don't push yourself too hard, right? Like, and that um, active life actually. For anyone who doesn't know, Active Life is a, a coaching company that does like an assess and correct, and they're very rehab and prehab oriented. Um, and they do, they talk about something where they talk about capacity and your, your, basically your capacity on any given day is not necessarily just physical. It's also emotional and psychological as well. Um, and that's where you would find that line of like overdoing right? So if you had a really stressful week or like maybe your spouse is out of town and you're watching the kids by yourself and you had a really rough day at work and then you go into the gym, your capacity that day is, is less than it normally would be, right? And so just kind of going and doing the stuff and not pushing yourself too hard is, is it, it sounds really kind of fluffy, but out there in the world, in the fitness world, there are different people that are putting out different things to further define this more and more as we learn more. Um, and thankfully, the scientific community is backing all of this up, which is amazing, right? Because it's stuff that we've known anecdotally, but 
um, a lot of us are not really the academic minded people to do a study. <laughs> well, so studies crazy. are expensive and they're limited and, and um, they take a long time to get the results. And this is kind of what we talked about earlier with, you know, your own personal coach and kind of the decisions that you're trying to make. Um, you don't always have to wait for the, to, to, for the research to come in. If you're just going to, if you just want to try, you know, you're like, you know, I think sweet potatoes kind of bother my stomach. I'm just going to not eat sweet potatoes for a few weeks and see how I feel. You know, and, and, and that's that's true for my wife. You know, she eats potatoes her whole life and never and then she realized that they give her a stomach ache. And so now she just doesn't eat sweet potatoes. She eats white potatoes. They're fine. Um, and and so, you know, doing these little experiments is important because, like, like I said, we can you don't have to wait for the research. Now, the research is part of the OODA loop, if you will. It's, it, it is part of like we observe and orient ourselves according to some of the new research and then we can make it make a change. You know, and then you have to be careful because there, when, when we have multiple variables, if you change too much, you don't know which one's giving you the best results. Um, so depending on your goals, you may not want to make a bunch of changes. Uh, and, and, not, and, then you, and then you find out, you know, years later after all this effort, well, three out of the four things you're doing aren't even doing anything for you. It's really just this one thing that was providing all the benefit. Um, and that's where, again, experts, experts in experimentation can help. One thing I will say about this study is a little bit of a criticism is, is at the end, they do say that uh, the research, researchers suggest the results may lead to a whole new therapeutic ap approach known as a mechanomedicine, which, in which drugs stimulate the effects of mechanical forces to prevent the damaging effects of inflammation and treat conditions such as arthritis. So of course, they're looking for a drug to give people to replicate this effect. Now, you know, it's just like the obesity drug or even like the, you know, the male, the male uh, um, pill, right, to prevent pregnancy. Like they've been chasing that dream for I don't know how long. You know, if you're going to wait for this pill to come along, you, you're, your joints are going to fall apart before, <laughs> before it, it finally gets here. And, and, uh, and again, there's so many other benefits to movement and activity that this one drug, you know, is, isn't going to do, right? It might, it might help their cartilage and, you know, there probably will be some placebo effect and someone's knees are hurting and they take this drug and then they're like, oh, my knees feel better. And it could be the drug and probably has some benefit, but could be the placebo benefit where if you just actually just go for walks and still practice squatting full range of motion so that you can get off the toilet when you're 80, you know, like those, those, those have far more reaching benefits than a pill you can take. Well, the other thing that the pharmaceuticals tend to do, which is the same thing with um, the old way that the fitness industry used to operate is that it, it focuses on one thing at a time, right? Mm -hmm. So like bodybuilding and, and, and stuff is like, okay, so we're going to build this specific muscle. We're going to isolate it and we're going to build it, mm -hmm. um, which actually causes more harm than good, which we know now. But the thing with the pharmaceutical is that if it's like, great, it's going to do this specific thing. It's going to mimic this specific thing. We don't know enough about the body to know if that specific thing is enough to to treat the problem itself, right? So we're going to come up with some kind of chemical that that mimics the, you know, the reaction with the villi and everything and then, or the cilia or whatever it is. And then, but what about the blood flow? What about the oxygen to the cells? What about, you know, what about the mechanical impact? Like there's all kinds of other stuff that might have an impact that this correlation causation, we don't know right? We just yeah, don't. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just thinking out loud, like I hear that they, they have this drug that's going to activate this protein, you know, but maybe that doesn't work if you don't have the blood flow that you get from mechanical motion, right? Or the operation of the muscles to help um, activate the, the lymph system, 
which is, you know, which brings fluids away from, from tissues. And so it's like, okay, so we, again, we, you solve this one, this one thing, but if you're not getting everything else, you don't get the benefit. And that's kind of what they're saying now about like fish oil, for example, it was the big thing. And they're saying that a lot of the longer term research is showing, well, it's maybe not this panacea that we thought it was. And it turns out that eating fish <laughs> is what has the benefits, but just taking the fish oil by itself doesn't, isn't as, as uh, great as it originally seemed. They thought it was just the omega-3s, but it ends up being a lot more complicated than that. Um, and so, you know, it's like, like I said, though, you don't, you don't have to wait for the, um, for the research to, to, you know, again, think about, think about this stuff with a, you know, from an ancestral model, again, how did our human animals live before society really became a thing? And, you know, how does this apply to my life? And can I, can I, how do I, you know, what's, what's sort of the, the general principle that, that they're kind of pointing toward. And like I said, it was a great article. And then you get to the end and then they're like, and now we're going to come up with a drug that's going to do this. And it's like, yeah, yeah, the body is, is as a system of systems and you can't, you can't just piece out one little thing and, and expect to have these, these far reaching results. But, you know, that's, that's ultimately what they're trying to do. And that's where all the money is, right? If they can come up with a pill that solves this one problem and there's limited or no side effects, well, then that's, then they can sell that, you know, until the cows come home. But, but, uh, but yeah, when I wouldn't hold my breath. All right. I think we're done for today. <laughs> that's it for today, guys. Um, I hope, you, I hope you enjoyed it. This uh, article is linked in the comments. Um, once again, uh, like, share, subscribe. And uh, if you have any more, like, especially if you have an article that, that you think is interesting or maybe goes against your, your beliefs and in, in really kind of rocked your world or something that is, it seems complicated or could have big implications, um, send it our way and we will take a look at it and maybe it'll show up as one of the topics of conversation um, for our podcast. So in the meantime, really think about having that mentor, really think about finding somebody that you can, you can uh, refer to as an expert that can help you make, you know, maintain your fitness or other goals um, and, and don't, don't rely on the mechanic to keep your car running great, um, with, you know, for years and years without ever, without ever, uh, working on it. That's it for today, guys. Thanks a lot and thrive on. Say bye, Gigi. Bye.